0: Welcome to the Tyree Waldron Motorsports Podcast. It has been a few weeks since the last episode, but we're going back to the weekly schedule. We're going back to the way that this podcast used to be. So this is a weekly motorsport podcast covering many forms of racing, giving you recaps as well as insights about the motorsport world. The date in which I'm recording this episode is May 30th, 2021. And topics today will revolve around, I know I'm a little bit late, but the Monaco GP, and the, unfortunate, uh, and the unfortunate circumstances that befell upon Leclerc, the Indy 500 and its race action. Um, as well as we're going to be talking about the NASCAR Cup Series and uh, also taking a quick dive into some MotoGP um, and possibly some world endurance news as well. As always, I am your host, Tyree Waldron, a.k.a. The Big Ticket. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Um... Of course, we always start off with the Quick bites. Elfin Evans had his first outright WRC victory. Um, now, he uh, claimed his first victory of the 2021 season. Um, he had about a 30-second lead over his closest challenger, which I think was uh, Danny Sordo. Um, the reigning champion, Sebastian Ogier. Uh, he was almost a minute and a half behind, but he finished his third. And... The rest of the competition after that didn't really matter. (laughs) Um, Evans claimed the most win, uh, the most of the stage wins and he had the overall waist win as well. And uh, Sebastian Auger was able to take a little breather and doesn't have to put down so much metal but I'm sure in the next event, he will be doing everything that he needs to do to finish off (laughs) with his eighth world title. Um, But like I stated, we're going from that another supercars okay now we all know supercars is that uh, relatively an Australian uh, series that is decadent in overpowered cars a little bit of grip and talented drivers definitely skilled now the supercars gen generation 3 is coming closer now with that they plan to get rid of the stick shift H pattern they plan to get rid of stick shift in general they want to move on to the pedal shifters that way you could take out a clutch and you can roll with a dual clutch or something of that nature. Um, saying that it's no longer relevant to the style of how, how racing is going to the future, um, but I have to say a lot of drivers and me personally don't really agree with you know that movement. So I say this saying that yes, having that H pattern, having the clutch, having all that stuff within the racing system becomes costly and a little less effective because you can't necessarily shift faster, all right? But when you think about it, supercars is one of the last racing forms that's still like, professional racing forms that revolves around an H-pattern stick shift. A lot of times, you know, uh, you'll have pedal shifters or you'll have, sequential transmissions and things of that nature but not supercars they continue to remain with the old classic style and i think that's what makes supercars its own little uh, skill set its own little world simply because of the fact that it is able to keep that uh keep that component in their in their series now drivers of course drivers hate it they have countless drivers have voiced their opinions um, and to many it's, it's, it's considered a badge of honor because, you know, there have been conversations between supercar drivers and Formula One drivers and they're having conversations trying to figure out what's different about the two racing and, and, and how it's different. And you could clearly see that, you know, some Formula One drivers don't have any clue about no uh, heel toe. And, and while you want to clutch and all that, they don't have any clue about that. They just know left foot braking, you know, that, that kind of thing. There's there's a gap in in skill set sometimes, and you know there have been clear cases where people from other racing formats have come in, uh, people who haven't really done the age pattern all that kind of stuff, dealing with you know the supercars' power and everything of that nature, and have to take a take a step back. I realized that maybe they cannot necessarily handle this. Um, but like I said, drivers have voiced their opinions. They are in love with how their system is now. They do not wish to change it. And this is a consensus across most, most of the series and most of the drivers and most of the teams. Um, so I'm not necessarily sure what's going to happen during the supercars for their gen- generation three start. But hopefully they don't get rid of pattern stick shift um, moving on DTM I don't even know how to <laughs> I can I'm, I'm never gonna try and pronounce DTM's actual name uh, it's like torn wagon masters something Dutch torn wagon masters I think that's what it is um, now DTM has no fuel partner what does that mean I'll be honest that actually means that they may not necessarily be able to start their season how they want to, um, simply because of the fact that they need not only you know that advertising and that money in place, but they also need that fuel obviously for the racing. And whoa, excuse me. Now, uh, Aral, which was a BP-owned company, uh, did not renew their contract after 2020. Um, now, DTM is searching for new series fuel suppliers. Uh, they're looking to switch to e-fuels by 2030. Uh, DTM is of course. And uh, X, no, I'm sorry, BP <laughs> uh, didn't feel as though that, like like that they needed to be a part of DTM simply because DTM is molding a little too slowly. Um, so therefore, they pulled out. Now DTM is looking to switch to E fuels by 2030, and BP would have been the perfect company to keep that and work with. But of course, like I stated, DTM is moving just a little too slow, a little too slow. Now. A perfect candidate would have been maybe ExxonMobil. They would have been ideal, but ExxonMobil is not participating with DTM. They will have to find some other supplier um, until then because synthetic fuel is expensive. They'll have to stick with their regular with the regular fuels and what, what, what type of fuels that they know well, uh, rather than E-fuels and all that stuff. Because like I said, synthetic fuel is expensive. And to be honest with you, DTM is broke. <laughs> I feel like that should be stated. Um, I think I covered that in a podcast episode last year where I I discussed that their finances are are, are struggling a little bit in certain uh, aspects, but Hey, maybe they can be looking forward and, and maybe that might be a reason why BP even pulled out. That might have been another reason why BP pulled out because they don't necessarily see the longevity <laughs> that uh, that DTM is necessarily pushing forth. But of course, we know that DTM is not going to go anywhere. It's a pretty significant race series in that in that er- in that in Europe. I was about to say in that area, but in Europe, it's a pretty significant race. Um, racing platform is definitely something that brings in some viewers, brings in some cash, brings in some money, and hopefully they can come back and have fans and all that kind of good stuff this year. So I hope to see some good things happen for DTM, I know they've been struggling uh, for a little bit now, but hopefully they can bounce back and bounce back strong. Now, like I stated, it's all are talking about Formula One, the Monaco GP, yes, I'm a whole week late, but hey, it's a week off from racing, therefore. It's a week off from Formula One racing, I should say. It's, it's definitely racing, but it's a week off from Formula One racing. Now, qualifying was, what should we say, eventful. Um, Charles Leclerc he finished off with pole, and he crashed at the ending. Of course, I feel like every I feel like people should know this, but you know we are gonna just give a quick rundown. Had a full course stop. Um, a lot of drivers complained about the fact of the full course uh, stoppage, which resulted in Leclerc getting pole, but everyone apparently felt like they should have been <laughs> like they were on their pole lap or the majority or a good bit you know the people who we expected from felt like people who uh, who who, who kind of had a shot felt like they were on their pole <laughs> run which in in actuality i feel like no they weren't don't get me wrong someone like uh Valtteri, definitely i could have seen him going for a pole lap or verstappen i could have seen him go. i mean verstappen still ended up getting cold anyway but uh and we're gonna talk about why. But um Definitely Definitely I don't think all of y'all <laughs> was on your fucking run for pole. Okay, that, that that's a little skeptical in my personal opinion. I don't think that all of y'all are, are, are really were were really getting there. You would have had maybe some faster stuff, but I don't know if everybody was on their pole lap as as they as they say. Um Like I said, Valtteri might have been Valtteri and Verstappen. Carlos Sainz was actually pretty impressive, too, uh, with his timing and how he did everything. So I'm pretty sure them three would have been on their real, would have been pushing real hard. I don't know if they would have necessarily pad pole, but Valtteri, to me, had the best shot. He was the fastest in the first two sectors on that last run or on, on the first sector, I should say. And he was pushing on the second one as well. So I feel like he would have had the best opportunity. But of course other people feel like they would have had the best opportunity um but turmoil for Leclerc. he was not able to start the race it was his gearbox i believe the gearbox issue uh that everyone was so uh skeptical of that everyone was anticipating had anxiety over whether or not he would be able to participate in the race and whether or not he would have to lose his pole position and drop back five places turns out the man couldn't start the race at all in his home gp couldn't start the race at all that is horrible horrible news for him but like i stated verstappen used that to get on pole and hamilton was starting in p7 i'd never seen him start that far back well in recently i should say um but of course this 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 is a little different than last season so hey we're we're we're, (laughs) things are gonna get shaken up Um, But yes, Hamilton was in seventh. Pierre Gasly, P6. Ah, Mr. Consistent. P6 at the start of the race and at the end of the race. (laughs) My man just stayed where he was at. (laughs) Um, But Sebastian Vettel was in P5. And can he continue... Can he continue to, to, to hold on to that? Yes. I know that technically speaking, there were a lot of variables that went into the fact that he was able to stay, that he was able to have P5 at start and P5 at, well, P5 at finish, I should say. Um, but... It it, it 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 transpires to something that you you're trying to figure out whether or not he's gonna have that capability because don't get me wrong in the first couple races in the first few races that we've had this season he hasn't been putting down what i thought he would have put down i thought this season you know I've, I've made predictions you know if you go back to my episode Aston, Aston, i've 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 made predictions that i really thought that seb was gonna put down the metal a little bit and 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 and, and do some real some real work it's a real elbow put some real elbow grease into this it don't necessarily seem like that was the case and of course in monaco he was able to come away with a p5 which is impressive which is how i would like to see him progress throughout the entirety of the season i mean p5 or better hey that's good but he has lapsed since the beginning of the season and of course with this one good thing in um what is this in monaco um I would like to say that he's not necessarily consistent, for sure, and I don't think that he's going to continue to be able to put down what he's put what he put down in, in, in Monaco, especially since that there were so many other variables that allowed him to to, to, to retain that P five. Um, stepping away from that though, lap thirty to thirty one, <laughs> Valtteri and his pit crew, we've all seen that one wheel that they finally got off, I think after three days. I, think, I believe after three days, they finally got that wheel off or after uh, two days or something of that nature. Um, we all know his whole, his, his whole DNF did not finish and uh, because of that wheel. Now, there were a lot of suggestions of why didn't he just go back on. There have been plenty of cases of people wearing, of, of, not wearing, of people of drivers having mixed sets on. Um, I'll be honest with you, after going 30 laps on a soft tire, there was no grip on that boy. (laughs) After going 30 hard laps, and from the race perspective, he was going pretty hard uh, for 30 hard laps. I don't think that his grip would have been the greatest coming out of that, especially if he had to run with that for the entirety of the race. Soft tires are not meant to go, what was it, 78 laps? Soft tires are not meant for that um so he definitely needed to change out of course but could he have gone farther most definitely most definitely but we know what happened we know that we're stuck with this uh stuck with this dnf we know we know that he's stuck with that uh did not finish um pretty just just bad luck honestly i mean don't get me wrong Yes, is a skilled is a skilled driver. He's not the golden boy for Mercedes, of course, but still upsetting to see. Definitely something that you not necessarily want to to, 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 to see happen to any driver. You know what I'm saying? It's not excuse me, it's not one of those things that, that 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 you wish upon a driver. You wish upon a competitor. It's It's upsetting to see. And you can see the frustration and all that stuff with uh that was going on with him. He was was heated and broken down <laughs> um, in the footage that you see on the TV and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely not 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 the best circumstances for Valtteri. Um, now Lewis Hamilton, who is the golden boy from Mercedes, oh man, he was having a fit. <laughs> he was having a fit, in my personal opinion. I think it was just a bad strategy um, paired with just. I don't know. Bad luck. I, I don't really know what to say to that. I mean, he started off P7, went up to, I think, P4, then dropped back down three positions, right back down into P7. Um, position seven. I just don't think that he was uh, destined <laughs> to get a good position and to get a good final position in um, in Monaco at all. At, at all. Um, you know, there, there, there are... And you know, even in the interviews and stuff like that, he has mentioned that there's going to be a real heated behind the scenes with Mercedes when uh, when the team meets up and whatnot. And hopefully, they get everything right for Baku. Um, that's all I really gotta say regarding that. But Verstappen finishes in P1 with an impressive drive, his first win in Monaco. Um, his second win of this season he has led for approximately 220 laps uh this season and he's going to be leading for a whole lot more um now ferrari was remarkably fast around monaco i don't necessarily know why they were so fast around monaco carlos Sainz and of course leclerc were fucking impeccable impeccable around uh monaco and that's that's a staple. Where I, I don't necessarily know why they were so fast around there. Um, I don't know if because Le, <laughs> Leclerc loves Monaco like the back of his hand. I don't know what what exactly was the reason, but I know that they were um, they were they were remarkably good and had the best drive, not only in free practice but qualifying as well. Uh, of course, they had of course the issue with Leclerc, but they had good drive all throughout that entire weekend. Um, and then, you know, it's Verstappen in the finish for first place, uh, Lando Norris in second, was it Land- no, sorry, <laughs> Carlos Sainz in second place and of course Lando in third. Uh, what an impressive drive by all three of them. They were pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, now what would have happened if Charles Leclerc was still in that race? If he was still in that race with no chance, of anything failing, like his gearbox or anything like that, and I don't want to say no chance, obviously there's always a chance of something failing, but I mean like, if it wasn't to that level and if he actually didn't crash, and if he actually, you know what I'm saying, I think, I think Charles would've, would've retained pole most definitely, I think he would've retained pole most definitely, because like I said, the only person that I feel like was really on that, uh, pole qualifying one was Valtteri, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna leave it up to the fact of Yes, Valtteri had a fast, had the fastest sector in lap one. I'm not sure about, I'm not, I'm not lap one. Had the fastest uh, sector one, not sure about sector two, but he was, he was moving. So, would it have been close? Yes, would Valtteri have gotten the pole? Maybe, but I still think if Charles were to retain that pole position and the race were to begin with Charles um, were stabbing Valtteri, I feel like charles may, i feel like charles would have held off Verstappen for sure and then verse, with that fight Verstappen would have probably gotten swallowed up by valtteri and then moving from there um and i feel like it would have been Leclerc, but uh, i can't say his last name Leclerc, valtteri max um that's how i see that it would have came out i'm not necessarily sure if that's what's actually if that would have actually happened of course we don't know but i feel like that's how it would have came out um But that's Formula One for me. Now, the Indy 500, of course, occurred today, Sunday. Now qualifying, the 2008 Indy winner, Scott Dixon takes pole for the fourth time. But we all know who won. No Roman Grosjean, of course. Um, And paddle Award, Patricio Award. (laughs) Man, that boy's consistent, ain't he? That boy's good. Um, Rick Mears has a record of six pole positions. And, of course, Scott Dixon is now... uh, Two more close to that i guess and um i'm not gonna lie i had a lot of hype a lot of hype for the indy 500 i mean they were projecting almost over a hundred thousand fans to be in the stands um like COVID don't even exist i mean don't get me wrong people were probably vaxxed and wearing masks and all that kind of stuff and probably maybe separated and whatnot but about a hundred thousand people uh were, were projected to show up i'm not sure the exact number of how many people showed up but that doesn't really matter um but this was just the qualifying stuff, in my opinion. I have the actual race right here. But if we continue with the Indy 500, Helio, Castor- Helio Castroneves well, Helio Castro was the Indy 500 winner for the fourth time in his career. He had a fantastic close finish. The celebratory four-time winner. The celebration was great. The celebration was great. It was. I'm, You've never seen Helio uh, overwhelmed in in emotion like that, uh, usually. Um, Paddle Award, finished fourth place. I told you the man is consistent, he's great, he's great. And this was only his second season, or his second Indy uh, Indy 500, so uh, the man is doing well. Now, that last few laps was remarkable. Remarkable and I like the fact that IndyCar stayed with, with the action. I like the fact that it was so close at the end. And I like the fact that it was a top four, top five type of race where if anyone was doing it was was, was gonna do it right, it was if if if, if one slip up uh you would have lost that position like that kind of thing. I like that. Everyone had to be perfect, everyone had to do what was necessary in order to win. And I I enjoyed those last few laps. Enjoyed those last few laps. Um, I think it was Helio versus Palo. Um, that was a that was a good battle to see. I'm not even gonna lie. That was definitely a good battle to see. Real quick, I'm just gonna look up the uh Car 500 real quick, just because I want to make sure of something. Uh but just want to make sure it was Yep, Alex Palo. Alright. He had to close off lanes for Paolo on that last on the last I think two or three laps or something like that. He was um Helio finally got that overdraft and was able to overtake Alex Palo. Now with that being said he had to keep that lead going into traffic thank goodness that he didn't actually have to overcome the traffic uh because that would have made it a little harder in order for him to push forth and get that w but it's a good thing that uh that he was able to do what 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 was necessary but and the one thing that i see that was necessary was on that last lap on that last lap paulo was always looking to overtake on the inside i think on turn two and I'm kind of glad, well, not kind of glad, I'm sorry. Um, Helio closed the lane on him and kept him from overtaking it at once in his, in, in, in Paolo's sweet spot that he used to actually pass a good bunch of drivers, a good bunch of other drivers uh, in this race. And it was beautiful to see, beautiful to understand what was happening. Um, and then, of course, Helio went on to become the victor. Uh, Alex Paolo comes second. Um, Simon Paganod, Pat, Paganod? I'm not sure how to say his name. He came in third. And, of course, Alex Paolo came in fourth. Great, impressive drive by Alex Paolo. Not Alex Paolo. Jesus. Great, impressive drive by Paddle Wood. Um, He is honestly my fan favorite, not my fan, yeah, my fan favorite um, driver for any car this season, at least. Uh, It used to be Sebastian, not used to be, it still kind of is. Sebastian Bourdais, I think he finished honestly in last. I'm not 100% sure. He might've moved up, obviously. Um, But he finished, he didn't finish where I, I necessarily expected him to but still, all in all, talented. If I could just find Sebastian Bourdais. He finished in 26th, which, I mean, I'll be honest with you, that's not bad for him. That's not bad for him, but that's my guy. That's who I want to see succeed, Sebastian Bourdais. And I also want to see, now, paddle (laughs) award pull away with some some goodness. Um, Next, I want to jump over to uh, the Echo Park Texas Grand Prix. Man. That's a NASCAR Cup Series race, and boy was it very dangerous at Circuit of the Americas. I'm trying to understand. It's like, I know it it is a road course, but damn. (laughs) I mean, there were a lot, a a lot of wrecks that took out damn near, I'd say a quarter to half of the field. And I'm trying to figure out were they gonna stop this race sooner or, but I guess cause it stopped raining and, and it dried up a little bit, things things changed and whatnot, but it just didn't, I just didn't necessarily understand why the continuation, you know, there were bad, bad wrecks to a point where, I mean, cars came out completely mangled and destroyed. I don't know why they didn't stop it then, but then they stopped it with Chase Elliott in the lead. And he pulled away with the winner uh they stopped it due to inclement weather which i thought that they should have either did sooner or they should have maybe put a pause on it or something like that or i don't know i, I don't necessarily know how they do things with with with, with nascar but they could have done something a little bit better that that race was quite quite dangerous i'm glad mo- everybody pretty much walked out safely but not necessarily something that you want to see, and and like I said, Chase Elliott pulled away with the uh, pulled away with the victory, um, with 14 laps to go. At that point, I'm like, why would you even stop it? <laughs> like, you didn't already let half the field go and and half the field get caught up in accidents. So why even stop it? But hey, stopped it with inclement weather. Uh, stopped it due to inclement weather, and um, I have to say that was their choice, and they made that they made that choice or, or whatever the case may be. And, but still, all in all, treacherous, treacherous race, treacherous race. I don't even understand it. I don't even. But that that that's just my quick take on the Echo Park situation. Um, moving on to MotoGP. Of course, we know that uh, MotoGP occurred um today, and uh, definitely some sad news coming out of that. I'm going to leave that for last, of course. Um, well, not of course, but I am going to leave that for last. We're just we're going to talk about the MotoGP race, and um. And go from there. Um, I want to thank. I want to. I want to praise MotoGP's camera work. Most definitely, I want to praise their camera work simply because we know Fabio Quartararo was in the lead. He had about a four to five second, not four to five. He had about a three to four second lead over the rest of the pack. We knew fully well he was leading and whatnot. And he and 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 their camera work is so good because they didn't even focus on that they just had like a little webcam uh situation and they used that to show what was going on with uh with fabio and and whether or not he was slowing down or anything like that they gave us updates on 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 his on his lead of course but they kept the camera work right where the action was at and i mean they did it for a good a good bit of laps too um the italian gp at Fabio Cuadrero, like I said, pulls out with the win. Bastianini was out of the race in the warm-up lap. I'm not exactly sure what happened. I know he he was doing a hard stop and ended up in the back of Johan Zarco's uh, bike, but I think it was because Johan Zarco was pulling up on a stop that was just a little faster than Bastianini expected. And um, from there... <laughs> Bastianini had a uh, hard press on the brake and leaned all the way forward or maybe he was in the middle of a stoppie or some, something of that nature. But he ended up flipping forward and kind of messing up the, 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 the tail of, uh, of Zarco's bike uh, just ever so slightly. Um, but Mark Marquez, the race starts. Mark Marquez crashes out of the race, I think on early, very early in the race, very early. <laughs> um and then, Peko Benyaje, he had a very great start to the actual race, and of course, Fabio Cuadrello came in behind him at second. Um, Fabio had pole, of course, uh, but Benyaje just had a better start, and uh, he was able to take that lead into the hole shot, and was and was running pretty well, and it looked like it was gonna be a nice little battle, battle for first place. And um, lap two comes around, and Peko Benyaje, he crashes. He crashes out, which was, damn. Mm tough to see tough to watch but it's okay fabio quadrero versus johan zarco that was the next battle for first place honestly um don't get that was pretty impressive they were trading positions uh but then of course fabio ended up taking that, that 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 main stage lead and uh zarco was left chasing um Then, of course, there's Miguel Oliveira and all those other variables that came into play with with uh, with what happened to Zarco. As Fabio pulls away, there's more people getting on top of the bat of, that didn't, that didn't, I don't know if that sounded right. There's more people that were gaining uh, on Johan Zarco. Um, now, Suzuki versus Ducati. Mins and Riller, going at it. Going at it. It was pretty impressive to see, uh, simply because not only was it Renz and Miller Right behind Renz was Johan Mur, And I mean, they were, them two. Suzuki has a great race pace. They don't let anything stop them. Late race, you still have to worry about them because they're closing down that gap. Granted, if you're three, four seconds ahead, maybe not. But they were still closing down the gap. And sure enough, Renz and Miller are going back and forth and then Renz finally gets to move. And then with that, Johan Mur, capitalizes a few uh, turns later. And runs miller wide and of course takes that inside line and from there it's just those two guys and murr ends up pulling away uh and and actually overtaking rings wait am i tripping i might be tripping i'm not i'm not gonna lie i might be nope nope i'm not tripping i'm not tripping okay nope i am tripping um murr yeah Murray and Renz are now chasing down Miguel Oliveira, who is now in second. Uh, But of course, Mr. 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 Renz, Mr. 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 Renz. It's tough to see that you get a DNF in four consecutive races. Do you know what consecutive means? That is one right after the other. It is tough to see you not finishing these races especially when you have not only a highlight reel filled race on your hands but also a good po- finishing position as well you were in third place chasing down second that you certainly should have caught on to like that's you that's a position that you certainly would were able to get and with four laps to go he crashes out don't get me wrong, he was upset himself, but I, I too am upset because I want to see him succeed. Every every pre race, the man does well. Every time, I, every, every going into every new race, I had faith. But it's been four, four. Don't get me wrong, there might be different variables. There might have been slick in that one part. You know, you're playing too aggressive, and 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 and, and your grip is slipping. Whatever. I know, I know how it go. But damn, finish a race, man. Finish a race. Get a good position and finish a race. Just a points finish, something this season. Obviously, you've had that already this season, but like, con- continue to have it. Sorry about that. I got a little heated there. <laughs> but anyway, Fabio pulls away from contention. Rains crashes out with four laps to go. This is his fourth consecutive, did not finish, and Miguel Oliveira... um, and Johan Murr having a little battle after Johan Murr passes up Zarco. They were having a little battle and towards the final lap, they, uh, Murr was still chasing down Oliveira. And I actually liked it. It was nice. It was nice to see uh, a KTM up in the front of the pack. I think this was Oliveira's first top 10 finish this season. Um, which, I mean, it's been a couple rounds, man. <laughs> but it's great to see. It's great to see. And at the end of the race, they tried to in- impact the penalty on the guy, which I'm not sure if they actually did. But the penalty was uh, he was he exceeded track limits, I think, on the final lap or on the second to final lap. And um, they wanted to make him stay, put, put him back in position, which I felt was unfair because he was in the lead. It's not like he used, it's not like he used, it's not that like he exceeded track limits to obtain a position or anything like that. It didn't really do, and it didn't really have, that much of an advantage uh, to him. So I don't think that they gave him that penalty. I think he did actually in the official results finish with second and finished finishing third and uh, Zarco was in fourth and Fabio Quaterrero pulls away with first and he did it all for Jason De DePasque or De Pasquire. I'm not 100% sure how to say this man's name but that is what I wanted to finish off this episode with. I'm going to read an article by The Guardian. Um, it's about it. Now, I don't necessarily know how to say his last name. I do apologize for that. Um, uh, I'm just gonna call him Jason. If you guys don't know, you can head on over to my Twitter. Um, uh, it's retweeted somewhere in there a multitude of times. Uh, the Moto 3 wide, the Moto 3 rider, Jason D, has died as a result of injuries sustained in an accident during qualifying on Saturday the MotoGP has announced. The 19-year-old Swiss was hit by another bike after falling from his own at Magella in Italy. Italy. Following a serious incident in the the Moto3 qualifying two session at the Grand Premio d'Italia, it is with great sadness that we report the passing of Moto3 rider Jason De Pasquale. That's what what MotoGP said on their official website. Now, Jason was involved in a multi-rider incident between turns nine and 10, with the session red flag thereafter. Uh, The statement added, FIM medical intervention vehicles arrived at the site immediately and the Swiss rider was attended to on the track before getting transferred by medical helicopter in a stable state to Koregi Hospital in Florence. Despite the best efforts of circuit medical staff and all those subsequently attending to the Swiss rider, the hospital has announced that jason has sadly succumbed to his injuries um, now it was also reported that he was treated on uh, on the circuit for about almost well more than half an hour um, before being flown to the hospital making sure that he uh was going there i guess in stable condition um and of course MotoGP, gp uh their grid had a uh one minute uh one minute of silence for jason and Fabio Quadrero, he got his win and of course he uh he went over to the spot that where where the accident happened and pointed up to the sky and he also um he also was on the podium as well as uh, everyone else on the podium or as well as second and third place uh Miguel Oliveira and Johan Murr they were both holding up their Swiss flag uh the Swiss flag on the podium in remembrance of uh Jason and um A lot of people paid their tribute, a lot of people um, you know, gave their deepest condolences to, to, to not only the family, not only the friends, but also the team, and um, definitely, definitely a sad moment in MotoGP uh, and Moto3 history, honestly. Um, thinking of the family and friends of Jason and everyone in the MotoGP paddock, ride in peace, Jason. Those are the words of uh, Williams driver George Russell. It was definitely a, a sad sight to see. And um, with that, I give my condolences to the family as well, to the friends and to the team. Um, and I want to say that will be it for this episode of the Tyreek Gorgia Motorsports Show. I hope everyone has a great day, safe day, peace.